Welcome to today's podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath. Today's show conversation puts me in touch with Mick Chaudoir, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at FiberGuide. Mick, how are you today? I'm great, Sean. It's almost Christmas and uh, everybody's ready to go. I hope that I pronounced your last name correctly. I almost did that weird American thing where I tried to sound all French, but I had a feeling that was the wrong way to go. <laughs> well, it gets massacred a different way every time I go to visit a customer because there's, there's always some hotel clerk and I've got to look under S, not C usually. Well, that's, I'm, I'm used to it. Even though the customer is always right, that's not always true because sometimes they're just saying your name wrong. <laughs> well. I let them get away with it most of the time. So, I'm really fascinated to have a chance to talk to you today because you work in an industry that is physically invisible because you work for FiberGuide, but your product is usually buried or hidden in a wall underground, and people don't really get to see the thing. That's true. They just see the result and it becomes so natural for them. They don't even realize how just amazing it is that this technology is able to exist and these things are able to happen. So I I, I have a feeling this podcast might run a little long today because you really work in a fantastic industry. So let me just start right off. I'm very interested in how you got where you are. So if you could please just give me the elevator pitch Where'd you come from and how'd you wind up at FiberGuide? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that you strike on the invisibility a little bit because we actually work with light most of the time, or at least much of the time, that, that's invisible to the naked eye. So that just adds to the sort of whole mystery to the whole process. But I actually got into this um, doing a PhD in cell and molecular biology of all things. So I, I'm actually a trained geneticist, you could say. And in the process of that, I got really interested in imaging tiny objects. Um, really on the nanoscale. And so that led me to a career in photonics. I've worked in a number of photonics industry-type companies, um, including Excelitas, Leica, um, Nikon, and other microscope, and, and again, companies that are focused on looking at tiny things. And so FiberGuide was something of a natural fit for me to come to. And what attracted me to come here really was the opportunity to work in a diverse array of, of industries. At FiberGuide, we don't just focus on say, one application or build one product. We build different products for different people all the time. In fact, we do about 40 new products every single month, all tailored to our customer specifications. So the exciting thing about FiberGuide is that we get to do all kinds of different stuff, as you alluded to earlier. How cool is my job? Because I am talking to someone who just casually dropped the word photonics into just a normal conversation. That doesn't happen on a normal daily basis it's a a normal it's a normal day in my life but yeah maybe not for the average person you're like an astronaut or something that's that's so amazing so say it cellular microbiology that's what your degree was in cell and molecular biology i studied with rex chisholm at, at northwestern university you're like a rock star. That is really, really cool. Let me guess. I'm going to go ahead and say you probably have Neil deGrasse Tyson on your speed dial, don't you? Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> no, no, no. No, Elon, I've never met Elon Musk either. So. <laughs> Not yet. Something to aspire to. 
Not yet. Well, he hasn't gotten to meet you yet. Let's make sure we keep that straight. So, you know, you talk about working with light and uh, but the fact that it's invisible and focusing on on small particles for lack of a better term is is sort of what you're interested in that's sort of where your focus is but that that concept of small particles actually is the basis of all the large particles that we actually do see on a day-to-day basis and i want to really go from the micro to the macro fiber guides focus on this sort of practical um, fiber optic solutions that you're able to, to to custom make and tweak for a customer's specific needs. You're building something extremely visible to everyone, and that is the backbone to human communication, internet, TV signals. I mean, am I? I'm not overstating that, am I? Um, no, no, you're right. I mean, the the fiber optic communications sort of sort of area is one for great growth. And and in really in around 2001, you know, there was this telecom crash. And up until then, there was all kinds of fiber optics infrastructure being built in and built up. And that's still going on in a lot of developing countries and in places like China, where there's a major emphasis on, on telecommunications type fiber optics. Here in the U.S., we've kind of moved past that now. And we're still doing some of that. But a lot of the, the new sort of data communications architectures and data centers really can benefit from the same type of fiber optic technology that telecom once did, but taken to a higher level. And that's an area that we've seen tremendous growth and demand at FiberGuide is building arrays for data communications and similar products. And, and that's just one area. If we want to take a slight side note, um, one of the really cool things we've been involved in is doing digital projections. So this is really quite different than data communications but it's combined in the sense that there's still light that you're moving. And instead of moving light that's information in a ones and zeros sense, in a digital projector, you're moving light that's information in a visual sense, where you're actually seeing the light as a movie, as a physical representation of something that's not really there, but appears to be because of sort of the magic of Hollywood, so to speak. Wow. that's You've done something that very rarely happens. You've left me speechless. Kudos to you, sir. Happy to help. Happy to help. Fiber optics sounds like it's really, even though it's incredibly advanced, it sounds like it, the utility or the applications that fiber could be used for. It's just starting to be realized. That's, that's absolutely correct. And what drives this, the underlying edge that drives fiber optics is what's going into it, which is the light. And there's been kind of a revolution in, in laser construction in the last few years. This led to the rise of something called the fiber laser. And so not to be confusing, but in this case, it's a laser where the fiber optic cable is the gain medium, the, the part that does the amplification in the laser. We, we won't talk about that today because we're really focused on the delivery side, but that's made fiber, fiber lasers much less expensive, you could say per photon, um, than other sources, and that moves lasers into entirely new areas that before they were way too expensive to use in. So, for example, digital projection that I mentioned earlier is one of those, but they're also now being used for things as prosaic as cutting and welding of sheet metal, where you used to have a mechanical device that would come in and stamp or cut, say, metals. Now you can do it with unprecedented precision with fiber laser-based devices for a fraction of what that used to cost, which is an enabling technology. 
and that that's really pushing pushing light into areas where it hasn't been before. You use a vocabulary that is marvelous. Okay, now that I've gotten that fanboy out of the way, let me move back into a normal consumer's vision of fiber optics. And it has to be high-speed internet bandwidth. That's what most people, when they think about fiber optics who don't work in the industry, that's what most lay people think about. You talk about the, the telecoms and they were using fiber, then there was the crash. Has fiber optics, has the actual material evolved so much in the interim between the crash and now the reacquisition that you have to replace all the old cables or are they sort of backwards forwards compatible can you give me a, a like a you know Betamax a Betamax VHS sort of comparison well what what happened it's kind of interesting is in that build up of capacity right there was almost like this gold rush where everyone's replacing all the copper with fiber throughout the country and there's a million companies, not literally a million, but 20, that say, okay, we, we can make this fiber. Let's jump into that game. And they kind of structured their entire existence around building fiber optic cable in order to replace copper. And most all of that was done by the time of the crash. That's one of the reasons the crash happens is there's this kind of glut of capacity. And so now you no longer have the demand. A lot of those companies have failed. A lot have sort of retooled. But what's happened is the remainder now, that, that type of fiber optic cable that's used for that is something of a commodity. So what's pushing the technology is no longer development of that cable. That particular cable is very, very well understood, very well characterized, made a number of places, and really incredibly inexpensive. Um, we're talking on the order of dollars per kilometer. So it's, it's not very expensive by sort of, you know, photonics industry standards. And so the, the real innovation is now occurring on really the electronics and the handling side and multiplexing. So instead of dealing with one cable at a time, you might now be dealing with 400 cables at a time and intelligently switching the data stream in between all of those cables and building a device that integrates all that and does all that. That's what's taking it to the next level, not the fiber optic cable itself, but that more sophisticated switching device that allows for better use of the data. Okay, that so we start talking not so much about the cable and a little bit about the devices, the the routers, the switches that are involved in managing what's going across the cables. So let me ask you this question. Having been a network engineer, Cat5, Cat6, that's, you know, what most engineers work with. We don't get to work with fiber optics usually. Yeah, that's all. That's all copper. Right. And so... How long can I go on a piece of fiber before I need to start worrying about the degradation of signal? This is pretty cool. This is one of the amazing things about fiber optic cable. Back to the invisibility we talked about earlier. You might ask, it, this really gets back to the question of what's keeping the light inside the cable, right? Why does the light stay in the cable? Because the cable is made of glass. So if you shine light on a window, it doesn't get stuck in the window and stay there, right? It goes through the window. But, but that's not what happens in a fiber optic cable. And I, and I go down this road because this, this lays the groundwork to answer your previous question, right? And believe it or not, we won't get into it here, but the wave actuality of light creates a phenomenon where the light is trapped inside the cable by something called total internal reflection. So the light bounces around inside the cable, unable to get out because of this kind of invisible wall that the cable constructs. 
And so if all the light goes in, there's, there's not all the light goes in, there's some loss, but let's say, you know, one photon makes it in. If the cable is, is essentially perfect, and we'll talk about why it's not perfect maybe, but, but for the most part, these kind of telecom cables are pretty close to perfect. Um, that photon can travel an infinite distance inside that cable with no signal loss. And so in reality, the cable isn't perfect, and so on these kind of really refined telecom type cables, you can get lost that's on the order of, you know, maybe a tenth or a hundredth of a percent per kilometer. So, you know, you can send a signal hundreds of kilometers with virtually no degradation of signal. Wow. Now you talk about the light being trapped in in the cable. Is that sort of the same concept as the fact that the four walls of an aquarium appear like a mirror to a fish? because the light sort of gets trapped within the the combination of the reflective of the water and of the glass. Is it sort of that similar concept? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing in a sense, because this total internal reflection is based on the refractive index difference between two types of glass that make up the fiber optic cable. And in the, your aquarium sample, it's glass and water that have a different refractive index. If you match those two refractive index differences perfectly, the light becomes, instead of partially trapped, creating the mirror effect you're talking about, it becomes completely trapped. And so it's exactly the same effect. Look at you making me sound smart. Thanks, Mick. That's so nice of you. That's true. No, it's a good, it's a good analogy, and I, I haven't used it before. I'm going to have to remember that one. <laughs> you get to work in this environment where you're really innovating every single day every single order, there's the opportunity for you to innovate. There's an opportunity for you to to figure out a new or better or, hey, we haven't done it this way. And so that's kind of a revolving sort of turntable of knowledge. You get to learn something new all the time. It's a, that's a really cool job to have. So since you get to to be part of that learning sort of process, in order to increase the amount that you get to learn you have to seek out new stuff you have to constantly have your eye out on what's happening in any potential industry that fiber could work in that's part that's part of my job is there an industry you see right now that is adopting fiber that surprises you hmm that's a um that's a that's an interesting question when i think about what surprises me I guess I would have to say it's uh it, it would be the sort of heavy industry type type industries. I, I know I'm using two words in the same sentence there. But we're talking about things that are, you know, as crazy as using lasers to cut concrete and to do demolition, which there's now companies starting to do. So they've got lasers based on a sort of truck that you roll around and whenever you've got a system like this, there's fiber optic cable that's directing the light from the laser to sort of the business end and literally using it to carve up concrete and do demolition that you used to do with, you know, a five ton wrecking ball. And it's kind of crazy and very sci-fi to think about, you know, seeing this truck roll up to a building and instead of the building imploding, they carve it up with a laser, right? To me, that's, uh, that's pretty surprising because that, that's a very, you know, nuts and bolts kind of industry and, and it's becoming more sci-fi due to this kind of influence. I mean, that is so far removed from what you think about when you think 
about in fiber optic cable. When you think about, you think about, oh, look, it's going to connect this computer to that computer. You think of very um, sort of uh, sedate, safe, non-destructive uses. On the latest, the, the latest thing, and just to interrupt, because this gets back to what you're talking about before with length, right, is we're now doing a lot of strain sensing and temperature sensing and other types of fiber optic sensing, where the fiber optic cable is able to sense or in other words, measure something at really remote distances. And so an example of this is, is building smart structures like bridges that are actually using a fiber optic cable embedded in the bridge with fiber optic strain sensors that over the say one or two or four kilometer length of the bridge, it's able to sense when a car is going over it, what the total load of the cars is, how much the bridge is being deflected, what the effect on the concrete is over time as, as the bridge ages, and all this can be done in real time, literally many times per second, using these fiber optic sensors that are permanently embedded over these very long distances that you just can't do with electrical sensors. That is really cool. So the in, uh, any interruption or change in the path of the light can be detected as a change, like a seismographic sort of uh, comparison. They can sense the change in the disruption of the light beam within the fiber optic, that has to be incredibly precise. It is. We're talking, most people think about light being measured in nanometers, which nanometers, right, our visual spectrum is around 700 nanometers wide, depending on who you are and how you define it. But these are measured in picometers, so a thousand times more sensitivity than we normally think about with light. Um, but but it's it's doable with today's technology, and it's it's almost becoming commonplace, which is which is pretty amazing when you think about it. But but it's a, it's a good time to be alive for this stuff. It's fun. It's it's cool, and it's really going to revolutionize the way that we look at at something like a bridge. The bridge itself can now become intelligent. It it can know what's happening on it, as opposed to going out and you know having guys hanging under the bridge measuring something once a year you've actually got real-time measurements of everything that's happening. And you can apply the same technology to pretty much any structure where you want to measure this kind of flexion or strain. Wind turbines, airplane wings, all these things are being done. And in fact, there was just a paper published um, a few weeks ago where they talked about using these types of technologies to measure um, seismic events on the Earth, kind of a, an Earth, the, the holy grail of the earthquake detector because this technology is much more sensitive than what's currently being used. Wow, that is that is really that's really a cool job that you have. <laughs> it's, it's cool stuff. I know that, you know, you you get to see some really cool things every single day. But I'm betting that you get to go to Photonics West and you'll see even more interesting things there. Is that a, is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. And we're going to have some, some, some pretty new special stuff to unveil, um, as well as a couple of uh, talks that we'll be giving at Photonics West, which is for us really the, the biggest of these types of things that we attend in a given year. Okay, so I'm not going to press you for any secrets today. However, I would like to make a gentleman's agreement that after Photonics West, maybe we get back together and then we have a chance to talk about some of the new things that both you debuted and maybe some new ideas that you got based on some other things that you saw. Does that sound like a deal? Fantastic. Sounds great, Sean. 
Perfect. Well, I've been talking today with Mick Chaudoir, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for FiberGuide. Mick, thanks so much for taking the time for us today. Thank you very much, Sean. It's been a good time and uh, Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, too. I hope you have a great and safe holiday season, and I definitely look forward to talking to you in the new year after Photonics West. Thanks so much. Thank you.